Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's May 22nd, 1980. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Most notable products or inventions tend to celebrate their anniversary on the day of their release. But the people behind Pac-Man, the ravenous pizza-shaped pellet-munching video game hero, celebrate the day of their first public focus test, which was today in history in 1980. And that test was really notable for just one core success, which was that they found that Pac-Man was appealing not just to traditional gamers, i.e. spotty boys, but to people of all ages and, crucially, also to women. Which was the concept when the creator Toru Iwatani started working for Namco and developing this... I mean, it's strange to think of it as just a piece of software, isn't it? But that's what it is. This game that, you know, might do quite well in an arcade, let's see what happens, ends up being the most successful arcade game of all time. (laughs) The concept was, well, Asteroids is already out there. Space Invaders is already out there. Those do appeal to teenage boys. Arcades are seen as male spaces. You're shooting aliens with guns. What can we create that would appeal to girls as much as boys, but also, crucially, their parents and their grandparents as well? Yeah, and to couples as well, because, you know, what happens when those spotty boys that you refer to get a girlfriend? The girlfriend doesn't want to come in the arcade and play the games that are just, you know, even Pong you know, is a sports-themed game, mm. really. It's not got necessarily that much appeal if you're a couple out on a date. And Iwatani kind of elaborated on his mindset in a 2010 interview with Wired. Now, there's a language and cultural barrier, and he has... <laughs> Getting on slightly, so I'll just present without comment. He says, <laughs> and yet there was comment inherent in that framing device. I'm not going to dunk on what otherwise seems like a nice man who's done a lot of good work. However, he says, when you think about things women like, you think about fashion or fortune telling or food or dating boyfriends. So I decided to theme the game around eating. After eating dinner, women like to have dessert. <laughs> well, do you know, I found another little tidbit in that same interview where he was sort of reporting on how the uh, focus group test went. And <laughs> this, this thing also seems to suffer from uh, like poor translation. But basically, Iwatani said that they'd set the Pac-Man console up or the you know, arcade game up in a room where couples retreat to after after going and seeing the movie that they've come to see for what he said was a little enjoyment. It was like, we put it in the sex room and people actually yeah. still pay attention to it. I think you're just describing something that he doesn't know the words to Americans to explain Probably, that existed yeah. in this sort of five-story cinema foyer in, in Japan. Yeah, But the point was it wasn't an arcade, which is a good place to test it. Since the target audience was everybody and most games were aimed at teenage boys, this was a great place to test it, not in a video game arcade, but in a place where there are couples, there are people of different ages, and to see whether they understood instinctively what they had to do. I mean, it seems, again, Mm. bizarre to even think about that when we're all just so innately (laughs) attuned (laughs) to what you do in Pac-Man. But, for example, when he first came up with the concept of a thing munching through food, he had a black screen full of fruit. 
It was the maze structure that he superimposed on top of that that means that anyone of any age sees that on the screen and they're like, oh, I know what you have to do. Like, I, know, I know why I'm moving around this. Yeah, people really got it very intuitively. The one thing that they did have to do was slightly make the ghosts and their chasing behaviours a little bit easier, he said, to give the um, player a bit more room to breathe. And, you know, like the the way that the ghosts pursue Pac-Man is really interesting. They've all been given a different thing that is called AI, but it really, you know, must be a very primitive version of AI. But they all have behaviours where each of them practices a different strategy. Two of them try to corner you. One of them tries to just pursue you straight. And one of them, Clyde, is this chaos agent who just like acts almost at random, sometimes pursuing you as Pac-Man and sometimes running away from you, which is fair enough because that was one of the other like key aspects of the game, which was the introduction of a thing that gave you a power-up, which was really new to video gaming at the time. Yeah, there's two crucial elements that he did, which are genuinely groundbreaking. One is power-ups, which give you special powers when you eat them which, of course, went on to be like the vital ingredient of the platform games of the 80s and 90s, right? Sonic, Mario. The other is that you are controlling a character. Now, I know Pac-Man is hardly much of a character. He doesn't even have eyes in the version <laughs> of the arcade game. But he's not a vehicle or a paddle or a spaceship or a gun. He's a character who mm. has... You know that he has some habits, right? He likes eating. Um, and you are controlling him. I mean, that is a change, isn't it? Um, and then, you know, the thing that you say that isn't quite AI, I mean, it's an algorithm is what it is, isn't it? It's maths. Mm. But I mean, the yeah. point is he used computer programming to say all these four ghosts generatively will do different things of their own accord. You can learn their patterns, but they have, again, character. They're not just dots on the screen. Where it became an immediate success was in the States, selling 100,000 arcade units uh, in the first year alone and becoming the best-selling and highest-grossing arcade game of all time. After a name change. Uh, Worth saying. So we've been calling him (laughs) Pac-Man the whole way through because even in Japan, that is what people call this character now. But the original name was Puck-Man, P-U-C-K. And um, (laughs) for the US market... The people at Bali, Midway, Namco all felt that a big lurid yellow box with P-U-C-K man written on it was inviting teenage graffiti (laughs) 'er ne'er-do-wells. So the name was changed to Pac, which doesn't mean anything. The the original name, Pac-Man, had evolved from the Japanese phrase for gobbling something up, Paku Paku Taberu. Um, But Pac-Man is sort of meaningless, really, but I guess... Mm. That's why it worked. You know, it couldn't be confused for anything naughty. Yeah, and it would go on to be a huge success for Midway, who'd brought the US distribution rights. Atari had actually turned down the offer of, of distributing it in the US, which obviously a huge mistake. A year after its release, it had taken a billion dollars worth of revenue in quarters. Crikey. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that that's a is lot of big, heavy bags of quarters. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of a good spectator sport, Pac Man, isn't it? I mean, not now, but in 1980. Like the idea of gathering around a machine if you're going to watch someone play a video game. I feel like Pac-Man's better than Wonder Boy or something because the strategy is so simple. It's like mm. watching sports, isn't it? It's just like, go up, get to the top corner, you idiot. The yeah. one's there. Like everyone has an opinion on how it should be played, you know, which is very, very simple. Well, at the same time you say that, but there was a strategy guide to the game called Mastering Pac-Man that was released within like a year or two after the game came out. It was written by professional blackjack player Ken Ouston, and it sold a million copies because, yes, everyone's shouting at each other about what they should do, but there was actually a better or a worse way to do it. I love the idea of someone being like, no, hold on, let me just let me just consult the manual. Hold on. Yeah. 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 Stop chasing me for one second. <laughs> but, uh, Ooh, right, so. 
I have to say, if, the, if he released a bit that was called Mastering Pac-Man, that is false advertising because Pac-Man can officially not be mastered, at least not in the original form that was released on this day. The level counter can only go up to 255. That means if you get to level 256, it will load as a jumbled screen. There was some kind of technical explanation for this, but I couldn't quite get my head around it. But the point is you cannot beat level 256. However, only a handful of the most hardcore Pac-Man fans have ever actually reached that stage. Only eight players have ever reached the perfect score, which is 3,333,360 points. <laughs> yeah, that was achieved first by Billy Mitchell in 1999. And uh, he said that the hardest part was sitting there for that long and staying focused. I mean, obviously, that's right. the hardest part. Like, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, what else is it? Um, yeah, but it's not a game where you can take your eye off the ball, is it? Because at any moment, yeah. one of those guys is going to get you. So 256 levels. You know, even a minute per level, that's that's yeah. four hours of yeah. gameplay of Pac-Man. You can't pause it. Yeah. You're going to slip. Yeah, I mean, the reason it glitches out is because, like, Namco just thought no one was ever going to do this. <laughs> and no, they should no, have been... The reason right. it glitches out is because it's 24 kilobytes. The original well. file size. <laughs> to, to put that in perspective, the smartphone in my pocket has 64 million kilobytes on it. I mean, yeah. it's amazing to pack that much pleasure into something with 24 kilobytes in it. <laughs> there was this amazing stat about how in 2010, when Google replaced its uh, logo with the uh, Google Doodle that was a playable version of Pac-Man, it cost the world almost 5 million human hours and $120 million in lost productivity. <laughs> so <laughs> it's still got that irresistibility. It's irresistible. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, very few games like that. I mean, I would say Pong and Tetris and this are the only yeah. ones where if you see it, you just have to play it. And you can play it for 10 seconds and get your fill. Yeah, and despite the fact that it became this worldwide phenomenon, Iwatani himself received no bonus, no promotion, no official recognition from Namco at all. He simply continued to work there. He was worked as a designer and a producer. Other games like Time Crisis and Pole Position that you know were famous as well. 2007, he left to become a lecturer at Tokyo Polytechnic University. So he did not make bank off of this. It also broke other ground uh, in spin-offs. Uh, Ms. Pac-Man, of course, we should pay credit mm -hmm. to. Uh, vastly different game when you put a bow on it. Um, there was a Milton Bradley board game with little marbles. There was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon series, the first ever to be based on a video game. Well, and the video game series itself, you know, has kind of diluted the original product. It was followed by a ridiculous number of sequels, obviously Ms. Pac-Man being the first. But as time's gone on, and they're still making them, you know, they have an increasingly abstract link to the original concept. Yeah. You, you can play Pac-Man World Rally, which just feels like it's gone very far away from the arcade machine that debuted on this day. Tomorrow. A lot of apologists out there, there are many of them, will say that he was never actually a pirate. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.